Hello creatives, Jay here and you are listening to episode 8 of 99% Perspiration. It's a weekly podcast bringing you interviews and advice from today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can get the know-how and the confidence to become tomorrow's. This week on 99% Perspiration. The independent production sector thrives on ideas. It's kind of, you need to constantly fight for a living if you're an independent production company and so they are very open to producers coming with the right idea. Eleanor McDowell is senior producer for the audio production company Falling Tree Productions. She's also series producer of Shortcuts, which they broadcast on BBC Radio 4. It's so essential now that it needs to be, it needs to be taken seriously and like I said, people aren't taking it seriously because it isn't painful. They still get business now, but they're not investing in the future i.e. three to five years from now. And Chris Marr from learning-everyday.co.uk. He specialises in content marketing and produces a weekly podcast called the Marketing Academy Podcast. Our music this week comes from Lilliput. And if you like the sound of Lilliput, then indulge yourself in episode 5 of 99%, where I interviewed vocalist and guitarist Joe Collins. And if you subscribe to 99% Perspiration on iTunes, you'll be updated every time we release a new episode. It's entirely free to download forever. And as usual, any comments, any questions, or just something you'd like to hear, you can find us on Twitter at 99podcast. Our first guest, Eleanor McDowell, was for me an inspiration to meet. I'm not even kidding. I loved sitting with her and picking her brain all about something we share a passion for, radio features. My name is Eleanor McDowell and I'm a senior producer at Falling Tree Productions. I mean, a lot of the time, the stuff we make is kind of musically informed in the way that it sounds. It's kind of bringing a musicality to the sounds, not just kind of using music as an illustrative thing. Odd production ideas, things that kind of blend various disciplines that bring a sense of either like this, of the kind of drama of a situation or poetry of a situation or the musicality that aren't just coming at it from the sense of kind of the initial documentary idea. I'm the series producer of a show on BBC Radio 4 called Shortcuts. Um, which is a radio programme and a podcast. It's a sort of a series of very short documentaries. The intent of Shortcuts is to carve out a odd little space on the Radio 4 afternoons where you can pitch things that you couldn't necessarily sell as a kind of longer form documentary, as a half an hour documentary idea. Things, you know, fascinating stories that you may be able to kind of draw out great depths from within a short space of time. It's also about encouraging sort of production innovation and new voices who don't just have stories that we haven't heard but have ways of telling stories that we haven't heard before. You know, all this stuff, I'm sure you kind of listen to Radio 4 or Radio 3 and think, I could do it so much better than this. Have you always been interested in radio? Honestly, no. <laughs> I think I was always interested in, in music radio and that was the radio that really informed me growing up and I used to love things like John Kennedy on XFM and that was kind of what excited me about radio when I was a teenager and so when I decided to go and do a master's course it was very much thinking like, oh this is what I want to do, I want to make music radio and being very, very ignorant <laughs> about everything else that exists and it was on that course that this wonderful tutor I had called Sean Street 
just started to play me all these documentaries that were so engaging and kind of blended my excitement about music with interesting ideas and fascinating subjects and I started to feel like that was a world that I wanted to be a part of. So I pitched a documentary to Radio 4 whilst I was on the course um, and that got commissioned when I left and uh, then after that I was just able to kind of accumulate enough work as a freelancer, eventually got this job. It's easy getting into radio. <laughs> There's lots of money in it, lots of jobs. It's <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, the, the thing that I find very, like, it is very democratic and accessible. And I think particularly the independent production sector thrives on ideas. It's kind of, you need to constantly fight for a living if you're an independent production company. And so they are very open to producers coming with the right idea that can be kind of developed and worked up. So I think that first Radio 4 documentary I was making, I'd never made something longer than like 10 minutes and that stuff was not very good. <laughs> so then I sort of found myself on my own in Vienna making, I made a documentary about the complicated relationship between post-war Vienna and the film The Third Man and the idea that this film captures this really interesting part in its history. And I'd sort of pitched it very confidently and then ended up just being on my own with a kind of microphone that I didn't really know how to use. And I think there was one really desperate moment where I thought I'd make it film noir and I was like running up and down a, a cobbled street in Vienna recording my footsteps because it would be like Orson Welles, which was never used because it sounded <laughs> ridiculous and awful. But um, yeah, that's how generally how you learn is just kind of making horrendous mistakes, embarrassing yourself. You learn how to use the equipment by doing terrible things that seem like you can't fix them, learning how to do things around that. So yeah, that's kind of the route. Happy accidents. It's the most dreary advice you could give, but I would just just listen, listen to everything. It's kind of astonishing the number of people that we get approaching us as a company who just won't really listen to radio or podcasts and will have a sense that it's sort of something they want to do. And that's the kind of the greatest thing that you can have to offer is just having a good ear and feeling like, OK, well, these are how the structures work in documentaries now. And this is how I want to change it. And this is why my way of telling stories is more interesting. And you get that, I think, from really boringly just immersing yourself in as much as possible and learning what the kind of palette is that you have to play with, what the kind of palette of the radio feature is, because it's so broad and so diverse and changes kind of country by country. Um, so yeah, I'd say just plunge into that and then you'll instantly become a wonderful <laughs> radio producer. Do you have any other um, podcasts that you recommend people listen to? Sure. Well, I think, I mean, there's probably all the very familiar ones <laughs> people know. Uh, there's one I love from CBC in Canada that's called Wiretap that um, is very, very funny, but just ingenious in terms of how it uses the medium. It's for a kind of documentary podcast. It really blends <laughs> documentary and fiction and you're not always quite sure what's real there's i've read interesting uh interviews with jonathan goldstein the uh, sort of presenter and kind of main person uh, behind it before where he talks about this idea of starting from a kind of documentary premise but then allowing it to kind of grow somewhere quite surreal and unusual and i absolutely love it because it's one of the few places that really surprises me in terms of what they do um, in terms of British ones, there's uh, a podcast called Imaginary Advice that's made by a writer called Ross Sutherland that, again, kind of flips between fiction and true stories. And it's um, a delightful thing to listen to. And I'm trying to think what else I've 
listen to. I really like YOY, which is uh, a, from a producer based in New York called Andrea Salenzi. And it's a sort of sex and dating podcast. But it kind of, it again, gets quite surreal. You don't necessarily know what is true. But it's, uh, yeah, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> we have kind of various degrees of collaboration with people. So if we're working with people who are quite new to it, often we'll give them equipment, we'll give them training, they'll kind of go and record an interview and then they'll bring it in and we'll start to kind of say, okay, well, how might we set this? What other, what other elements could we have? Is it going to be quite stripped back? Is it a moment of someone essentially just telling you a story kind of lightly sound designed or like you heard with Phil Smith's piece is it going to be like three different layers of narration and music and an interview and let's get Alan Shipton from Radio 3 to comment on your kind of seven-year-old recordings and so those sorts of layers so it it varies if the idea is good if it make general if it makes us laugh or if it's kind of intriguing and we think that people would get caught up in the story then we'd usually go for it after seven series, I have very strong feelings about short documentaries because um, I would say the thing that we kind of encounter most often with them that I find myself saying over and over again is always cut for feeling and not for fact. There's a temptation if you're doing something short to think, oh, God, I need to find a way of cramming as much information as I possibly can within the shortest duration possible. And what you end up with is something that doesn't really communicate anything no one's going to take away the facts but if you kind of allow something to breathe and capture the little kind of quirks of the voice and quirks of delivery and the phrases that people use and allow that kind of emotional story to come to the fore rather than necessarily the factual story I think you get a much stronger piece of work out of it and in general <laughs> I don't know I mean I hope I don't like the thing I love so much is that there isn't a single right way to do it. And what I find most exciting in listening to radio documentaries is hearing the stuff where I think I would never have thought to tell a story like that. But it is sublime and wonderful. Like Natalie Kestitcher, an Australian radio producer who I really like, is exactly like that. She has such a kind of distinctive voice in terms of how she tells stories, how she kind of sets it up. And it, it sort of just her identity kind of runs through the whole thing so clearly. And I, I would never say it was something that was like, oh, this is the kit of parts for making something like that. I think it's the key thing with documentary making is, I suppose, being true to your gut and your voice and your identity. Like you, you probably learn by emulating things a bit, but kind of the best thing that you have to offer is your take. You can kind of plunge someone into the way that you see the world or sort of try and communicate the way someone else sees the world. And that's the most exciting thing that you can offer. So I think, yeah, listening to the voice in your head that says, actually, it's not how everyone else does it, but I think this is how I want to tell it. Generally, in terms of um, how we take pitches formally for the series, we will, um, each programme is themed. So it has a kind of a title like Fictions or Behind the Curtain. And then we'll try and pick themes that can kind of go in lots of different tangential uh, routes that people can, uh, and hopefully people can surprise us with their interpretations of that theme. So that, like I was talking about earlier with Josie building a narrative arc, you've got a lot of places to go. The thing that is key for us, it's good if we're surprised by the story, by the truth, but if it hasn't been something that we've heard before. Um, and we want to be engaged by the way in which you want to tell the story by your kind of production ear. Um, as well as just what the subject of it is. But very, very open to anything, because I think the whole point of it is thriving on 
new voices coming through and you saying how Radio 4 should sound um, as much as anything. I hope that it will keep being a space to kind of play within. I think I, the thing that constantly re-energizes that makes it exciting as a series producer is hearing new voices come into it and finding those kind of distinctive ways of telling stories from other people. Um, so I hope that that continues to be kind of diverse. I think it's always something that we can try and do more and more. The only thing that's like, I didn't, I didn't learn any magic way <laughs> to do anything. It was all about, it was all about kind of confidence building, I think for me, where I was quite kind of shy and apologetic. And the most sort of valuable thing I've learned is like how my mum used to talk to me about spiders when I was a child, that they're much more afraid of you than you are of them. And I remember kind of going into interviews and thinking like, I'm so terrified of this interviewee and I'm going to say something stupid and they're going to, but actually learning that your job is to be quite calm in that space and that they're much more terrified of you than you are of them and kind of finding, finding a confidence and a feeling that you deserve to be in that role was the most valuable thing because it's made me kind of relax and feel sort of comfortable and able to explore the way in which I want to tell stories um, rather than being kind of fearful of what other people think. So yeah, no, that's not advice at all. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, the first thing to go back to what I said before is listen to every single thing that you possibly can and get a sense of what the space is because it's kind of scouting the market as to where you want to work so you know gravitate towards the place that you think is making the stuff you're most excited about if it's documentary or music or community radio or experimental radio um, and I would start getting in touch with the people who are making the stuff that you love because you can always tell the difference between someone who's writing to you thinking like oh it says radio production company on your website and I want to work in radio so I'm going to write you a generic email and the person who writes to you who's really engaged with the work he does and like maybe doesn't want to make it exactly like you make it but kind of has listened carefully has engaged with it and you think actually there's a valuable dialogue that we as a company can have with this student because they've got a fresh take on something and they know how to listen um and i think yeah and not to be afraid like all everyone in radio is very lovely and approachable in general I've, i don't think i've ever met a nasty producer so i think most people are quite receptive to having a cup of tea and a chat and helping you talk about your ideas or think about where they might go but yeah it's just that little the things that distinguish people are always people who research people who kind of know what your company specializes in and are approaching you with a kind of a sensible question so that you can offer them something coherent and they can get something out of it. We have a uh, Twitter at Falling Tree Prod. We have a website, www.fallingtree.co.uk, where um, we've just excitingly put our entire archive of documentaries since 2004, I believe, online. So that you can access through our website and we've got a SoundCloud as well. Um, so hopefully, because that's, yeah, one of the issues with radio documentaries is they kind of broadcast and then disappear into the air. So uh, we as a company wanted to kind of give what we're doing more of a memory. Um, so you can find us there, Facebook. I've got a Twitter handle, I think, that's at Ellie underscore McDowell. 
Honestly, if you haven't heard Shortcuts before, it is well worth a listen. But don't just take my word for it. You can find it on iTunes, where you can also find the Marketing Academy podcast. It's made by Chris Marr, the man behind learning-everyday.co.uk. And I chatted to Chris all about why he produces the podcast, tips for promoting yourself or your brand online, and why content marketing is so important. My name's um, well, Chris Marr. I'm based in Scotland. My, I guess you could call my passion or my thing is marketing, content marketing, business, um, anything to do with that really. I kind of live and breathe marketing um, trying to make sure that I'm learning you know, all the time. Uh, my company is called Learning Every Day Limited and that's kind of like a, a sort of be putting my, I don't know, my philosophy out there, I guess, that you know, I want to learn something new every day. You know, that's a good success principle, I feel. So, you know, that's that's what our company is all about. And, and the reason we've named our company that is because we, we go out there and we teach people about marketing, and particularly content marketing. So I would say maybe 70 or 80% of what we do is about teaching. So even when we're in the consultancy space, we're teaching all the time, trying to get people to think about their business and to think about how content marketing fits in with their business and just trying to get those light bulb moments from people. And um, we encourage people to read books and to listen and to read blogs and watch videos and constantly you know, feed themselves with good information. So I feel that learning every day or learning something new every day is a big part of all of, is a big part of success in business in general. So I really wanted to sort of get our philosophy out there from the start. So that's what we were all about. Um, I guess outside of all of that, I'm really, I play guitar. I play guitar for 15 years. I love snowboarding. Uh, I love to read. I love to listen. I love to do podcasts. I love to meet new people. Um, so do a lot of networking. And and like yourself, Jay, we, we've reached out, or you reached out to, to me on Instagram. So I kind of put myself out there. I love social media and getting to meet new people. So Busy life, I guess, um, but in a good way, busy. Would you ever pack in the busy life and do something more, say, nine to five? Nope. <laughs> good Short answer. answer. <laughs> good. <laughs> to be honest, I think even if I was in the nine to five thing, I would be, I'd busy myself with that. Over time, I've went from being interested in management and leadership and customer service and into marketing and now content marketing. So I don't, even if I did the nine to five thing, I would have, I would have busied myself with that as well. So what I have attempted to do is to build a community around what it is I'm doing. Who in the world is interested in content marketing and passionate about their business? And how can I pull them closer and closer to what it is I'm doing? My, my philosophy is if I can get more people thinking about content marketing and understanding how it works in their business, then that helps me grow my business and it helps other people to grow theirs too. So that's the whole philosophy behind it you're not creating content you don't exist and you know it's not painful yet for people that are not creating content because you can get away with it you can still trade you can still do business but you know that's going to change pretty quickly I think three five years now if you have not started to build your voice start to build an audience start to build a community around what it is you're doing that audience are going to be getting entertained by someone else they're going to be build, they've built a relationship or trust with someone else another brand another business another individual um, and it's going to get harder and harder for you to pull them away and attract them to your content and to your business. And, and the key thing to recognize there is that audiences, and I say audiences deliberately rather than using the word customer, um, trying to get away from this language that marketers use, you know, potential customers, leads, all the rest of it. Actually, it's just an audience. It's just people. Um, a customer is only a customer when they make a transaction with you. 
when some money changes hands or you know there's some sort of action that's a customer before the point and after that point they're not your customer they're a mem- they're, an, they're your audience or people that they trust you and i think it's worth thinking about people like that instead so really what i'm trying to say is that you need to get your voice out there you need to start building relationships up with people the old adage people do business with people that they know like and trust and that is exactly true today as it was a hundred years ago a thousand years ago and if you're not like i said if you're not creating content and trying to build that relationship with people by providing useful helpful information through podcasts through the written word through video then you're going to lose the ability to build that that trust and entertain people in their day-to-day lives and they will go and get entertained by someone else i can't go on and on about it enough to be honest um, but I think it's so essential now that it needs to be it needs to be taken seriously. And like I said, people aren't taking it seriously because it isn't painful. They still get business now, but they're not investing in the future, i.e., three to five years from now. And in in essence, you know, a content marketing program could take you eighteen months to see some serious traction. You know, we've been doing the podcast for a year, for example. Now I'm starting to see people talking about the podcast online freely without me actually having to do anything, sharing, tweeting emailing that all takes time to build that trust the podcast that i do the marketing Academy podcast is a podcast i use to get a message out there to talk to people to build an audience it's not the only part of my business um, i think it's worth saying that because it's not like i've went out there to do a podcast that i want to monetize and grow this you know like a, a million downloads or whatever you know i want to get a message out there to a unique audience i think it's worth saying that also but the podcast I do is quite niche in that it's in content marketing because there's many ways that you can you can build a business model around your podcast. My podcast is not a business. It's part of a business. And I think that's important. It's a way for me to talk to people and start a discussion or start a conversation. And that would probably be my first tip. When you're approaching a podcast, it's really about your audience. I think you need to appreciate that you're starting a conversation with people so it might you don't have to tell the whole story you don't have to be the expert you don't have to have all the answers but what you can do with your podcast is you can get your ideas out there and you can start a conversation with people and you just need to you need to sort of make them aware or comfortable in the fact that they can approach you and reach out to you either by email or through social media and i think that's an important part um the number i guess another tip would be you really want to put your audience at the center of what you're doing um and really, and really respect the fact that you're actually only ever really speaking to one person at a time. Even though hundreds of people could listen to your podcast at one time, is to actually speak through your podcast as if there's one person. I think that's a really good tip because I listen to podcasts all the time, and people say um, to everyone listening or to all you people out there or that sort of thing, and it's actually like there's speak to me, mm. speak to me, the individual, the guy driving the car, the guy in the gym on the you know on the treadmill, whatever it might be. I think you've got to appreciate and have respect for your audience's time. And that's a hard one for me because I like to talk a lot about the things that are going on. So my shows are typically quite long, anything from 40 minutes to an hour. Um, I think, you know, I I do have concerns about that. I know that Mike Mike McGrail has just come in with his podcast and he's very concerned about, you know, keeping his 20 minutes or so short-ish and you know he's got respect for people's time there so i think you do have to think about your audience and the time they're spending with your show um another tip would be and again it's back to respecting your audience as well is just making sure that you 
you know, deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Like, for example, we, or I publish the show every Sunday at 8 o'clock. I told them that's when I'm going to do it. So I have to make sure that it's there. It's on Sunday at 8 o'clock. I think that's important too. But also that the content and the way that you deliver your podcast remains to be consistent as well. So when people listen to your podcast, they know kind of what they're getting themselves into or what they're going to listen to. So they're probably my biggest tips. I think overarching tip there, just to bring it all together, is is really to respect your listener and to respect the audience and put them really at the centre of what you're doing. So try and involve them in your conversation. I try and do that a lot through the community we've built any questions that have come up, topics, themes, I try and include the topics, but also the people and what I'm trying to get across as well. So I think that it's just a really great way to, to start a conversation and, and connect with people and build an audience, which is really what I've used it for. Probably about 18 months ago, actually, and a friend of mine, and Andy Brown, who's a really good friend of mine, I've known him for a couple of years now, we're both in the same space, both passionate about what we do in marketing, and he said to me, look, Chris, you need to get into these podcasts. Here's Here's like a list of a dozen podcast shows. Um, you should definitely listen to these. So I really got into the into the sort of consumption or absorption or whatever you want to call it. I started to really listen to the podcast and this is a really good medium. I started to realise actually how personable it is in the way that you can connect with someone as a listener. You start to really feel like you know the you know the podcaster um, and build that relationship up with them, even though you're not actually having a conversation. So the first thing I did was I did an audio version of a blog. Hmm. That was my very first episode, and that's available now. I've kept that as raw as it was on the day, and it was literally just me talking through a blog article because the blog was um, it was about how to become a media business or the importance of becoming a media business, and I felt like I could articulate it better in audio. So that was my first test, and I got some good feedback from that. People saying, you know, you should continue to do your audio stuff, and I thought, well, oh, why not? And about... I think it took me about 10 or 15 episodes in to realise actually this is something I really want to take seriously. It doesn't matter what you do, you absolutely need to get around people that are in the same space as you doing what you do. It tests you, it challenges your thinking. Um, so, so important. Getting to conferences, meeting thought leaders, connecting with people that are doing things either better than you or have done it for longer than you is absolutely essential. If I had known the power of a podcast, I would have done it earlier. Absolutely, without a doubt. I know a lot more now than I did two years ago. It's amazing how things change so quickly in the business space, the technology space. You know, technology affects business, which affects marketing, and the whole social media thing as well. It's just like forever changing. And I think, regardless of the platforms, platforms are always going to change. Channels are always going to change. You know, we've gone from like radio to TV to social media. What's next? And how do you, how do you sort of? future-proof your business from that. And I think the key, and this is coming back to your question, is I would have started to really pull in and start to build my audience and my community two years ago instead of taking it seriously only in the last sort of three or four months. We have a Facebook group, right? Hmm. And forget about the fact that it's a Facebook group. There's 500 people in there, which was only three months ago, 60 people. And what we've done is we've tried to, through the 60 people that are there, get them to invite other people that are interested in the same things to come into that group and that is that's our community now and that community has nothing to do with me really i'm just facilitating it well the one thing we all have in common is the fact that we're either business owners or marketers and we're all interested in content marketing or increasing our knowledge and skills in that space and i should have done that i think i should have started doing that more seriously two years ago 
and maybe that group would be much bigger. But it's not really about the numbers, it's about the it's about having a solid community. And that's the difference I think when going forward is how can you build a community around your content? Because that's gonna future proof you against the channels. So if you started to do a blog now, but then you turn into do video, maybe you're you know, hope you'd hope that your trusted audience, your loyal followers would follow you into that as your content matures, as the channels change, you know, they'll have they trust you so much, they love what you do that they would want to follow you. And that would hopefully future-proof you from the different channels. You know, So that's why I say forget about the fact that it's a Facebook group and think more about the community around what it is you're doing. And I think that is the key to, uh, partly key to building an audience. The best place to connect with me is on Twitter at ChrisMar101 or on Instagram at ChrisMar101. Those are my two favourite platforms. And obviously you can come along to our Facebook community as well that we've mentioned, which you can find at www.facebook.com tcma-fb.co.uk and that'll redirect you to the Facebook group and that's a great place to come along and get involved in conversation with other like-minded people. A huge thank you to both Chris Marr from learning-everyday.co.uk and Eleanor McDowell from Falling Tree Productions, two people with podcasts I really enjoy listening to. And once again, thanks to Lilliput for your awesome tracks. Their Twitter is at Band. And if there's something you want to hear on 99% Perspiration, do let us know. Next week, you can hear from graphic novel writer Brian Talbot, whose legendary works include Alice in Sunderland, Granville, and Brainstorm. And from Caroline Mitchell, an expert in community and transnational radio, who founded the Bristol-based female radio station FemFM. For more 99% Perspiration, our website is 99podcast.com and our Twitter is at 99podcast. And until next time, stay productive, stay awesome.